Welcome, everyone. Glad you're here today. It's been kind of a special weekend in our household. We have all of our immediate family of the area home, our daughter from Edmonton, and our son and his wife and four kids. Uh, we just had a great time. We had to, the, the family that we didn't like so much, we put in the motel because we could hardly accommodate them all, but uh, it's been a great time to be together and uh, we'll be visiting one of them right into Wednesday of this coming week, and the others are leaving this afternoon. But it's been great uh, that they could be here this morning. We didn't plan this, that I'd be speaking the day they're here, so they, they just about canceled when they heard that. But uh, <laughs> anyway, I just want to say it's kind of one of the neat things about Hillcrest Church is that it has an awareness of the body of Christ and a wider scale. So our lead pastor, Steve, is speaking at St. Aidan's this morning here in Moose Jaw. And Pastor Chris is in Lumsden to celebrate the installation of Pastor Carl Dixon into his position. So we're, that's if you see people missing, the rest think some are in Disneyland, the, you know, the ones that aren't that dedicated are in Disneyland and so on. <laughs> no, it's marvelous. Um, yeah, I was just gonna say too, like if, if you ever have the seniors group come up to be introduced like the young people were. Well, it'll take us longer to get up here, but we'll be better prepared. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we'll know who to ask, and uh, we can talk about our technology very comfortably. You know, Instagram, <laughs> chat, uh, TikTok, I don't know, you know. T telegrams. Um. Anyway, this is... My name is Dave Wicks, I'm on staff here, and this is a continuation of our series, uh, What on Earth Am I Here For? Uh, I thought about how you could say that this morning, what am I, or what in the world am I doing here, or something like that, but what on earth are we here for? And this is a redo of the book that uh, became famous a uh, long, long time ago about having a purpose-driven life, and it's been a great focus. I felt that for myself personally, and the people that I work with, it's been a great study to go through. And thus far, we've had three editions. This is, I'll be doing this week and next week, and then I think Pastor Kurt is closing it off. Uh, so it's been a, a, some of the life groups are doing it. It's been a great thing to spend our time with. We've looked at the idea of, uh, we're, first of all, we're here for God's purposes and pleasure. God enjoys us. That's why he created us. And he has a purpose for all of us, and a purpose not only for our personal lives, but also for our mission in life. That's why we're here. Uh, second, we're, we're called, we were called and created to be loved. Isn't that interesting? Uh, one of the folks that I study with said that something they really hadn't thought about before, that God actually created each one of us, that he could love on us. That, that brings him great joy. And if you, as a grandparent, when you have your grandkids home, uh, the love moments are so beautiful, and you just enjoy them. Uh, last night I watched the Oilers triumph. Connor came out of his slump. Uh, the world has taken on better balance somehow. But I, I sat with my little granddaughter for a good part of the game, and I was more caught up with just hugging her and being close than I was about the hockey game. It's beautiful to love someone else. And that God said, that's why I created you, because I wanted to love you. I wanted to give my life into your life. Uh, we're called to belong to God's family. That's why we're gathering this morning. That's why we have all these connections that we can be a part of, because we were actually designed and called 
to be together with other people. And so this morning, um, <clears throat> I really enjoyed the prep for this one. This one's about the fact that we were called to become like Christ. That's part of his great purpose in our lives is to transform us from what we are and who we are into something more gracious and beautiful and more fulfilling. He wants us to become like his son, Jesus Christ. We're going to read from Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and 29, uh, before we dive into it. So here we go. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. There's that word, called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So he's, he's called us to make us, in a sense, a, a, a redeemed, a, he's going to transform us into the image of his Son. That's one of his great joys. Uh, when I used to live in Edmonton back in the 80s, I ran a program up there. It was director of a program called Teen Time. And every once in a while from Teen Time, I'd go out and speak at different churches in the city of Edmonton, kind of promoting Teen Time, bringing a message, whatever. And one of the churches that I used to go to several times was a church called Fellowship Baptist Church. It's on 107A Avenue, I think. And... Uh, <clears throat> The lady that used to do the Easter program for us called Love According to John, which is a big play we did in the Jubilee Auditorium, uh, that was her home church, and I'd go there to preach once in a while, and when you went up on the platform, it was quite a, a large uh, sort of traditional-style building, and there was an enormous wooden pulpit that you kind of stepped inside of Pernier. I Pernier got lost when I went in there, and uh, written on the carved into the wood, beautiful woodwork around the top of the pulpit were these words that the audience couldn't see, but if you went up there, you put your Bible down and get ready to speak, it, you're looking right at it, and it said, and it was generational, so it was kind of male, sir, we would see Jesus. So when the pastor got up to speak, he was reminded, it's not about you. <laughs> People need to meet with Jesus. And so that's kind of this thought. We're, God wants to transform us so that we become like Jesus. John the Baptist said those famous words, he must increase and I must decrease. So part of the work that God's going to do in us is to kind of get us in better balance with ourselves so it's not about us that we think about our lives and we begin to take on the character of and act in a way that Jesus would act. That's one of his great works. Now, we're not called to be little Christs. We weren't called to become a little God. We're called to become like him, not to be him. That's not possible. No one else can be God but God. He has unique and exclusive rights to being God, not us. So that call is to be like him, not to become him. Um, and we're not going to be able to, even with the best of us working as hard as we can, we're not going to be 100% like him in this lifetime. And we'll touch on that at the end. We'll say more about that. So this Jesus, I just sat and thought about him for a moment, the things that we 
discover from a life with him and that we get from reading scripture, he's, he's quite an interesting person. I'm reading the Gospels right now. I'm finishing my final Gospel in my own private reading, just reading through the Gospels, which talks so much about him, and you see his story, hear his words. Here's some of the things. He's master of all, and he's servant. When he was washing his disciples' feet on his last night on earth, after he finished, he said, do you know what I've done? Did you see what I did to you? Do you understand what I'm teaching you? If you want to become great, be a servant, master, and yet he was servant. He was filled with love and compassion and, and manifested love and compassion continually, but he also walked into a church one day, the synagogue, and he made a, a whip out of rope, and he's giving it to people, and he's flipping the tables saying, get this junk out of here. So he's kind and compassionate, but He's not to be fooled with. My father's house is to be a house of prayer, not merchandise. Get this out. Compassion, strength, humility. He was the picture of humility, and yet we know that he's the majesty of all. He's high above, Lord of lords, king of kings, and yet humble as a model to what humility really looks like. He was without sin, perfect, came from perfection down to earth, lived perfect life, never sinned, and yet you read the Gospels, it's astounding how much time he takes being with the sinners. In fact, the New Living Translation that I'm reading, my devotions in, says the Pharisees questioned his followers and he said, why is your master always eating with scum? That's the New Living Version. He did that and it drove the Pharisees crazy. So this sinless one, who did he love the most? The sinners. He spent time with them. And by the way, that's all of us. He was creator, but he laid down his life for those that he created. I was going to sing this morning. Um, shall I go for it? Can I get the worship team back? No, nah, I don't think so. I, I tried to get it played, but I, we couldn't. We had copyright laws. But I, the words of this song, some of you, if, how many like Zach Williams? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but this, this song, and it's kind of it's cool. It's, it's uh, Be More Like Jesus, Less Like Me. But just the words I thought were kind of interesting. I'll just read them quick. Uh, oh, I have days that I lose the fight. Try my best, but just don't get it right where I talk a talk that I don't walk and miss the moments right before my eyes, somebody with the hurt that I could have helped, somebody with the hand that I could have held when I just can't see past myself. Lord, help me to be a little more like mercy, a little more like grace, a little more like kindness, goodness, love, and faith, a little more like patience, a little more like peace, a little more like Jesus, and I should say a lot less like me. So in this study, uh, we're going to look at some practical steps to help us in this journey from where we are to where God wants us to be, where we become more and more and more 
going through a step-by-step process of transformation day by day. Sometimes we come backwards and we go up again in this process of becoming like Christ. So there was eight points, and I thought, eight points? We'll be here till two o'clock. But, um, so I knocked off four. So I wanna talk about the four I'm not gonna talk about first. Um, Number one that I'm not gonna talk about, don't be impatient. On this journey from where you are today to where God wants you to be, don't become impatient with yourself and don't become impatient with other Christians if they're not quite like Jesus yet. It's a process. Just stay with the program, just keep moving forward. We're gonna get there, but be patient. Secondly, um, it's gonna get really hard sometimes. We're gonna really mess things up and it's gonna feel really uncomfortable and think, man, why did I react that way? Why did I get angry about that? Why did I think that thought? Whatever. It's stages, it's gonna take time. Um, It's a process, there's gonna be suffering in it, but what you, you need to think about is, I'm gonna become like him. And that's gonna be amazing. The more I get towards that, the better it's going to be for me and for everybody that I know. It's going to be good, so it's worth the work. Uh, Thirdly, uh, God cheers for us in all the stages as we go along. Um, What do you mean, Pastor Dave? Well, just imagine how many of you had a baby and your baby's getting to the time where they're going to start walking, so you start seeing them learn to walk. And the baby, you know, maybe there's two parents or a grandparent or something, and you say, okay, walk over there, and they, they kind of start across the room, and they get two steps, and they fall down. So what do you do? You stupid baby. You should have done better than that. No, you're saying, that was great. Come on, you can do it. All the encouragement, you know, come on. Or another example where many parents have been injured, actually, is teaching children to ride a bicycle. <laughs> you know, they get on the bicycle, do two pedals, bam. You know, and you run over there, you stupid child, why did you, no, you, come on, you, made, you went that far, look, you know, you went from here to there, come on, you're doing it, you cheer them on. So just realize that God, our Father, is looking at us, and every time we get it right, he's cheering, and when we get it wrong, he's saying, okay, let's start over, we can do better. Uh, you know, you're, you're going through the lineup at Walmart, and somebody cuts in front of you, and you handle it well, say, please, go ahead. You know, can I pay for your stuff as well, you know? And uh, God's saying, yes, that's it. You're doing good. And then you get out in the parking lot, and you get mad at somebody because their car hits your car. Mm, okay, so we got work to do. But he cheers you forward, and just know that heaven is cheering for you as you make the moves down this journey to become more like Jesus. And the last one I'm not going to talk about, um, take every step with a sense of purpose. As you move through life, realize that we're actually preparing ourselves for eternity. We're on a journey from the now till the forever. And so the forever is so worth the effort. Everything we do, we should say, Lord, how, what can I do today to continue this journey towards my forever? Uh, I trained for a marathon back in 2004. Um, I ran 27 miles, didn't even, I stopped once for a peanut butter sandwich, uh, but I trained all winter, and I ran on a treadmill all winter, 
ran outside as long as I could before it became too treacherous. But I trained and trained and trained, followed a study guide, had a computer program. I was ticking things off because I wanted to do that run. So we need to have a sense of ourselves that, Lord, I want to be with you in eternity. I want to fulfill my highest purposes. Lord, help me to take steps today that will actually contribute to my ongoing development that you have in your heart for me. So here's the ones I want to talk about. Number one, and this was really wonderful for me because it's a particular hobby horse of mine for myself, not for you, but for me. Uh, I wanted to simplify my life. If you want to become like Jesus Christ, some of us in this room are going to have to think through what we're doing with our time, we're going to think through what we're watching, what we're looking at, what we're influenced by. We're going to have to simplify life. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the the sin that so easily entangles. Hear that. Throw off the things that hinder. Get rid of the stuff that hinders you, the things that entangle you, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, which will be the next point. But number one, I, I... I really feel this inside. I, kinda, I can make fun of it, whatever, but I certainly felt it for myself. And I've become, I've always been a people watcher to the point of uh, my wife getting angry at me because, why are you looking at those people? You know, because I'm curious. What are they doing over there? You know? uh, but I, I look in, you know, I went into our, our, our dentist uh, waiting office and people would come in, sit down, and immediately they're looking on their cell phone. And they spend their whole time waiting for their call on their cell phone. I watch families walk into a restaurant. They all come in, sit down together. Whoosh. You know, they pretty much have to have somebody feed them because they're watching their cell phone. Constantly taking stuff in, constantly watching, constantly listening. We need to have space inside. You know, the word, you know, the... It, It can be misused word, but the good word of meditation, Christian meditation, to stop and think about God, to think about my life, to think about scripture, just spend time thinking, not constantly bombarded with somebody else's thoughts. We follow this person, we follow that person. I mean, I love Jordan Peterson, but hey, after a while, I get tired of looking up words in the dictionary, like I'm trying to (laughs) keep up, you know. Just you and God. Just you and God. All the things that keep your head busy and occupied, the word from Scripture is, put it aside. Put it aside. Now, some of it's necessary for life. I'm not being unreasonable, but I don't need to be constantly stimulated and entertained by what the world has to offer. I need to learn how to put that aside. Uh, In our modern uh, thinking, we have words that we use to describe the state of our culture, um, and they all end with an ism, materialism. We're a materialistic culture. We're infatuated with stuff and things. And listen, I'm not above this. Trust me, I know. But we we can't let it take our lives. 
One person wrote some years ago, I read it and kind of made me stop and think, everything you own, owns some part of you. If you buy one of these, then you've got to look after it. Oh, I've got to store that at night. I don't want someone to steal it. I, I've got to change its oil once in a while. You know, just all this stuff, it, it pulls you into it. If I'm over-consumed by stuff, I can't go through a healthy process of transformation. It'll stop me in my growth. Consumerism, the quest for more, for new. Uh, <clears throat> it is interesting. I'm reading a book right now called The um, Non-Anxious Presence. And he talks about how the world was structured at the end of World War II that there was a, an intellectual think tank that actually didn't actually happen. It's not a conspiracy. It actually happened. They sat down to try to frame out what the world would look like at the end. What, when World War II was done, they could see the handwriting on the wall. It was going to conclude, how do we want to frame this brave new world? And part of the framework was consumerism to drive an economy. And it's filling our lives up with clutter. Lord help us. And then there's a kind of a nasty word. We don't use this word in our circles very much, but it certainly shows up in different literature you would read. Hedonism. Some of you will think, what's that? Well, I'll, I'll explain it. If you don't know, it's okay because it's kind of a bad thing. But it, it's an ethical theory that pleasure is the highest good and proper aim of human life. Just get as much pleasure as you can. Now, uh, it's the satisfaction of desires, and sometimes the desires are actually created for you by advertising that you must have. If I, ha if I fulfill this desire, sometimes it drives us into gluttony. Sometimes it drives us into looking at inappropriate things and even doing, which is the same as thinking about it is like doing it according to what Jesus said. The fulfilling of desire, it, you know, it's okay to relax and have vacation, but if that's the only thing driving your life, you will not become like Christ because he didn't have any of that. He didn't play that game at all. His life was constantly, we just celebrated it this morning, he laid down his life for us. His great desire was you, your redemption. It wasn't for his satisfaction, it was for you. That was his desire. Driven, his love drove him to that. So I've chosen to simplify my life, um, and I'm, I'm not anywhere near perfection on that, trust me, but I can tell you, honestly, I'm reaping the benefits. I can see the changes in my life, in my head, in my heart. Uh, I'm still me, and I'm still deteriorating at age 75, but it's helping me. It's making me stronger and healthier. I'm gonna be doing a funeral in a couple of weeks with Willard Mitchell. We're going up to celebrate Stan King's uh, life. He was a pioneer missionary in, in Africa. And that era of people, those pioneer missionaries, they literally, we, we pretty near mock it, but they, they took a coffin with them sort of thing. They were going to give their life for Africa. Simple living, giving up all the stuff. Why? So they could be like Christ and take the, the hope of Jesus Christ to another continent. 
spending time focusing on Jesus. Again in Hebrews chapter 12, but this time just the start of verse 2, fixing your eyes on Jesus. Um, I like motorcycles. It's part of my consumerism, I guess, or something, but I try to keep it in check. I always buy used ones. Um, But when a motorcyclist is going to take a curve, say an on-ramp, and motorcyclists, by the way, don't get in their way when they come down. If you're in the on-ramp, get out of the way, let them go, because that's our playground. We like to go around corners, and we like to go as quickly as we can. Um, but when you're, if, if you watch professional-level riders, when they're going into the corner, they're way off the bike, they're hanging way down on the inside, and they're looking there. They don't look here. They look at the end of the curve. They don't, they don't look at the spot. They don't fixate on the spot. They, and what are we to do? Look there. Look at him. Look at Jesus. Read about him. Think about him. Talk to him. Let him talk to you. I've got a dear friend who said, isn't it enough to seek the face of God, to seek the face of Christ? I've never forgotten him when he said that one night. I think about that often. Yes, I want to look at you. I don't want to look at all the stuff. I don't want to look at junk. I want to look at you. Fix your eyes on him. We used to sing this as a song generations ago, and that's not a criticism. It's just music is constantly developing. That's okay. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Sometimes we hang out with people that are incredibly negative and they get our focus on negative things and and the transformational process in our life just seems to stall. He said, no, no, come, spend time with me. You ever notice how little kids, like little, little kids, if they're doing something and they want a parent or a grandparent or somebody to notice, they'll do whatever they can to get your attention. I've seen one kid actually reach up and grab somebody's face. They'll look at me, you know, like they wanted. That's kind of how it is with us and God. We need to have facial contact. We want to seek the face of God. Don't be caught up in the critical crowd. Spend your time chasing Jesus. We had a storm day here back in April 20th. Isn't that something? It just seems like days ago where I was shoveling snow, and now it's like spring and summer's come. And we had a prayer day. I'm I'm on the prayer team that uh, Pastor Karen, Pastor Karen, Karen, she'll kill me if I hear it. Sorry, Karen. I'm going to say it again. Karen, in the office, she has some pastoral giftings, but she organized some prayer time and, and we take a time to pray and fast on certain days. So that was my fasting day. So I was home. I went home early because the roads were getting dodgy. So I went home and I went in the bedroom and I sat down, actually knelt down with this Bible verse. If my people who were called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Wow. 
If you'll do that and turn from your wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Does our land need healing? Ah. Oh. Sometimes you really see it, and you see how hurting it is, and you think, oh, man. And he said, listen, you can change this. Seek my face. Spend time with me. Become like me. Number three, how do we get to be more like Jesus? Join a team. Gather a team around you, a life group or whatever it is, some kind of connection of group, young adults. Get together with people who want to go the same direction you want to go and say, let's do this journey together. Let's help each other in this process of becoming like Jesus. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, all the more so as you see the day approaching. And a, a day approaching, yeah, there's a day approaching. You can see some of the cracks on the ground sort of now, if I may say it that way. But we're to join together with other people, say, listen, let's go on a quest. Let's do this journey together. I mean, we've got television programs that are big hits because it's about a bunch of people trying to work together. Survival, things like that. They gotta work together to, to do it. Let's do this together. And Sunday morning is great. But we don't have the interaction needed in a big public setting to really grow together. This is great, but get together in your smaller groups so that you can really develop. I think it's on the wall. Connect small. That rhymes. I'm pretty good. Um, celebrate big. Connect small. Why? For this reason. It'll help us to become more like Christ. Um, <clears throat> Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12 Infamous, famous scripture, of course. Two are better than one because they have good return for their labor. If either one of them falls down, the other will help them up. But pity the one who falls and has no one to help them up. If two lie down together, they'll keep warm. How can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, hear that. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. I'll tell you what, to have a friend or a group of friends who are really tight with you, you know, the kind of people you could call at three in the morning if the sky fell in on you personally, you could say, hey, I need you right now. You, that person, do you have somebody like that? Have you got people you could call right now and say, listen, I need, I need help. Somebody that's gonna see, if they see you fall, they're gonna help you get up. This individualism, there's another ism, has really damaged the Christian church. Because that philosophy has crept in from the outside. It's all about me. I'm here as an individual. It's my likes, but I don't like. I'm me. Maybe we've got issues, personality. We're, maybe we're terribly shy, or maybe we, we're mad at people or something. We just withdraw, withdraw. It's a dangerous time to be by yourself. It's better to be in a group. The old African proverb says, if you want to run fast, run by yourself. If you want to run far, join with people. It's true. It's true for Christian living. 
We're not meant to run this by ourselves. Worship team, you can begin to return. I'm heading for the finish line. What I don't finish now, this is point number four, what I don't finish now, he will finish it. Philippians chapter 1, verse 4 to 6 says, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion. I'm starting here and I'm heading towards being more like Christ, and if I get this far or that far, however far down I get that path, and it needs to be a quest that I want to I want to become like you. As the years add on to my life, I, I want to be a cranky old person. I want, to, I want to love you. I want to be like you. I want to respond like you. I want to have your thoughts and your love in my heart to give it away. But as I journey that road, I realize I'm never going to get completely there. And some days I'm just like, ah, David, what are you doing? But I have this confidence, it's going to get finished. 1 John 3, 2 says this, Dear friends, now we are the children of God. And what we will be has not yet been seen, but not been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. There's going to come a day when we step across the line from this life to the eternal. And as we meet him there, he's going to say, complete. No more struggles, no more negative thoughts, no more attitudes, no more pain. You've heard talk about the dear brother that we lost in Cairnport just a few on Good Friday. Uh, 47-year-old man, I think, 48 maybe. Gone too soon. Mitch's life had been filled with many marvelous things. He touched a lot of lives. But he also had real heartache. Life Life had not been easy for Mitch. But on Good Friday, it was complete. We are on a journey to be like him. That's the greatest thing. The world desperately needs you and I to be like Jesus with all the love and grace and kindness and focus and strength. And I thought too, I've been thinking about this a lot as I read through the Gospels, supernatural ability as well. Not that we're supernatural little gods, no, but he's given, he gives authority to those that he loves that we can follow him and pray for people and see situations changed. The world needs us to be alive, folks. It, ne- it doesn't need us. There's lots of us out there. It needs him represented through our lives as we live our days for him. I guess I'm closing the service by myself. <laughs> I've done this before where things are happening behind my back and I look goofy, but in a minute we're gonna close up the service. There's gonna be some worship. There'll be prayer teams here at the front. I'm gonna come back at the end just to say a bit more, but 
even as we go into this final time of worship, look into your heart and say, Lord, yeah, develop me. I want to be like Jesus. That was your calling. I'll be back.